if you are a regular at Cornerstone, uh, you're going to find what I'm about to tell you a little difficult to believe because we have at this church um, some dramas of rare intellectual capacity. Um, Generally, though, if you've spent any time in musical circles, uh, you might be aware that there's kind of a thing about drummers uh, that other musicians have. There's, there's a whole heap of drummer jokes to kind of confirm that there's this phenomena, that drummers are, let's just say, a special species of person. And shout out to Zeke and Rob, actually, these jokes don't... Um, make any sense with you guys obviously uh, so there's jokes like uh, how do you know that the stage is level well the drummer is drooling out of both sides of their mouth uh, how do you know that there is a drummer at the front door the knocking keeps getting faster what did the honest drummer say to the band leader the honest drummer said, do you want me to play too fast or too slow? In fact, there's so many of uh, these drummer jokes that there's even uh, a joke about the drummer that gets tired of jokes about drummers and he decides that he's going to take up um, a different instrument. And so heads off to the shop and goes in and has a look around for a fair amount of time and, and the woman behind the counter, the shopkeeper, uh, is watching a little bemused. Eventually uh, the drummer comes up and speaks to the lady who is in charge of the shop and she sort of says, oh, did you find what you were looking for, sir? He said, yeah, I think I did. I'm going to take that big red saxophone over there. The shopkeeper looked at the drummer with a, a little bit of pity, maybe, and she said, you're a drummer, aren't you? And the drummer was crestfallen that she'd seen straight through him. She knew that he was a drummer. And he said, how did you know? I am a drummer. Well, she said, sir, this is a news agency and that's our fire extinguisher on the, the wall there that you uh, wanted to buy as a saxophone. Now, just in case there are any drummers apart from Rob or Zeke who end up watching this. Uh, the reason that joke is funny, if you think it's funny, is because the drummer didn't know where they were. The drummer was not aware enough of musical instruments to realise that they weren't in a music shop. Um, we often this is going to be a cool segue. We often, it's a bit of a human con condition thing actually, if there are any drummers feeling a little bit offended at the moment, we, we as human beings can struggle a little bit with knowing exactly where we are and I think that's what the Apostle Paul is speaking into, <laughs> this dimension of the human condition in the passage that uh, we've heard this morning that Ignatius read for us, Ephesians 2. 1 to 10. If you don't know where you are, uh, what's the best thing to do? Well, the best thing to do is to go back to the last place where you knew that you were. And Paul starts <laughs> uh, 
like this in Ephesians 2. Uh, he says, Before you had this whole Jesus thing happen for you, you were dead in your transgressions and in your sins. Uh, he says that you, you used to live in such a way that as you followed the ways of the world and um, you gratified the cravings of your flesh. You just did the things that you wanted to do. Uh, you followed your desires and your thoughts. And he said, like everyone who lives that way in the world, that place that you were, uh, you were deserving of, of anger. Of He uses the word in some translations, wrath. I don't know if you've ever felt angry at the world because of the injustice that you see, because of the hatred or the cruelty. You know, when you look at the world and you see that it is broken, how heartbreaking that can be. And in fact, that can give way to a kind of anger, to a kind of wrath. Well, Paul's talking about the fact that that is exactly what goes on in the heart and the mind of God because he loves people and because he loves the world that he made good it breaks his heart, it upsets him to see how twisted we have made it, how broken human beings have made it. It can be tempting for us to feel like the things that are wrong in the world are always someone else's fault. Isn't that the most frustrating thing about watching politics these days? I don't know if you were unfortunate enough to catch the American uh, presidential candidates uh, debate. But geez, wasn't it horrible <laughs> to just see the back and forth, the, the, the mudslinging that goes on in that. Um, and that's reflective of so much of the way we are as people. We sort of want to imagine that there's nasty people out there that are doing the wrong thing. But isn't it true, actually, that it's all of us? The, uh, the Russian writer and philosopher Alexander Solzhenitsyn, whew, that's a mouthful, uh, he said, I think really insightfully, you've probably heard it, he said, the line between good and evil runs down the middle of the human heart, of each human heart. As frustrating as it can be to watch two sides of politics sling mud at each other. As difficult as it can be to see people make a mess of the world, I mean, I know that I make a mess of the world. Uh, I might make a mess of the world in different ways. If I was the President of the United States, I'm sure I'd find different ways <laughs> to let people down than uh, those two men that we watched debate this week. We're all broken, and Paul is talking to that reality in Ephesians 2. We're dead. It's like we're dead. He says we're dead in the fact that we keep doing the wrong thing, as though we can't help it. We can't avoid it. Thankfully, Paul's words to the Ephesians here don't stay there. He doesn't say you're stuck there. He says God has made a way to take you and he has taken you indeed out of that place. 
He says, because of God's great love, God who is rich in mercy, God has made you alive with Christ. And uh, actually, Paul throws himself in uh, when he's talking to these people. He says, he uses we language. He says, even when we were dead in our transgressions, by grace, God raised us up with Jesus and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. It's though uh, Paul's saying, uh, this is how life was before Jesus. But now something has changed. God's great love and mercy. Paul goes back to again. God's great love and mercy means that if you have been saved by Jesus, you're still not where you think you are. We might sometimes think that the world is a mess and we're okay. And Paul says, actually, that's not the case. <laughs> you're broken too. You're dead in your transgression. But he says, actually, you're somewhere else entirely if you've let Jesus do his thing for you. You are actually not even in the world in a sense, but you are seated in heavenly places. As I was researching this message this week, I like going back to some of those old sources of the few, first few hundred years of the church. And there's uh, a church father, they call him, uh, who who has, has given me a lot to think about over the years, a guy called Origen. And I went to read what he had to say about this passage. And he said there, uh, those who are saved, he uses the word regenerated, are placed in paradise. They are placed in paradise, he says. That paradise is the church. And when I read that, I thought, you've got to be kidding, Origen. Uh, I don't know what your church was like. Our church is great. Uh, I, I love you guys. I love the people. There's so much uh, about church life that is really rich and wonderful. Um, but paradise, it isn't. You guys know that as well as I do. Uh, we're human, right? We, we are those transgressors that Paul's talking about. How can it be paradise when it's full of transgressors like us, broken people like us? And I thought, what is Origen getting at? Is he, has he really found the perfect church back there in the third century? As I thought about it, I realized, no. Origen is actually just taking the Apostle Paul at his word. So the Apostle Paul says, you were dead in your transgressions, but if you have received salvation from Jesus Christ, if, you, if you're sort of going to let Jesus do what he wants to do for you, in fact, you are taken and seated in heavenly places. And so Origen's just believing Paul. He's believing that, sure, maybe he feels, and I'm sure he felt as a church leader, sometimes down in the gutter with the rest of us. But he took by faith Paul's words that through Jesus, because of God's great love and mercy, he's actually seated in heavenly places. You know, it made me think about the fact that what is going on down here in this world is not the be-all and the end all. So much of what happens in this world, full of broken people in this broken world, is going to pass away. Scripture paints a picture of that for us. 
but actually we see it with our own eyes. Uh, there's an impermanence, there's, there's the fact that the world is broken and breaking down. There is so much that is going to go the way of the grave. But what is in God is eternal. So what is in the world may pass away, but what is in God is eternal. An origin is grasping what Paul grasps, that God in his love and mercy seats us in that place of eternity and eternal life, a place where we do not have to be afraid of the brokenness of this world, of the challenge of sin and death, because there is already, through Jesus, victory over it. So what do we do with that? How does that change our life, this reality that even though it might not feel like it, we're actually seated in heavenly places? I think that what the good news that Paul talks about here requires of us is simply to live out of that grace the richness of God's love and mercy, the grace that Paul talks about numerous times. In verse 5, it is by grace you've been saved. In verse 7, the incomparable riches of God's grace. So you were dead in your transgressions and in fact still transgressing, he seats you in heavenly places. God simply requires that we respond to that by living out of that grace. Isn't it? one of those um, beautiful truths that um, as soon as we begin to think that we're seated in heavenly places because of anything that we've done, we're not actually seated there anymore. We are seated in heavenly places, Paul says, by grace alone. If we're there, we're not there because of anything that we have done. We're there because of God's love and grace. And we I believe as God's people are called to live out of that reality that we have received such grace. The Bible scholar F.S. Bruce says, throughout time and in eternity, the church, and he uses this phrase I love, the society of pardoned rebels. So the church, which is a society of pardoned rebels, is designed by God to be the masterpiece of his goodness had me thinking this week I went to seminary with a really great uh, American guy quite a conservative um, Christian uh, maybe a little more conservative than me uh, by some marks and he was from the Anglican tradition now of course Americans can't stomach the idea of having a church called the Anglican Church so in America they call it the Episcopal Church and I don't know if you know anything about that church but by many people's estimations it's become quite a liberal church and um, it's definitely not growing uh, there's some sort of troubling signs for the Episcopal Church in the States and so um, my friend when he had done 
the course that you have to do to become a priest at seminary, he went to what is the kind of the Mecca. It's maybe a, a, a bit of an awkward analogy, but you know, he went to the, the center of the of the world for Anglicanism. I don't know if you know where that is. It's actually Nigeria. There are more Nigerians going to Anglican churches on a Sunday morning than there are English Anglicans. Isn't that strange? So the Nigerian Anglican church is really healthy. And my friend actually flew to Lagos to be ordained by the Nigerian Anglican church uh, because he sort of felt it was faithful and healthy as an American. And uh, I love what the Nigerian Anglican church said to him. They said, sure, you're a priest in the Nigerian Anglican Church. Your first uh, calling, <laughs> your first, the first office that we're going to give to you is to be a missionary back in the United States. Because if you believe that the United States needs reaching for Jesus, if you believe that the United States needs healthy Anglican churches, that's where you should go. And I think it's a little bit like that with this passage that we've read about. There is this sense seated in heavenly places that we have overcome so much that there is uh, to overcome in this world by the grace of God, by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Death and sin have been conquered. We have already been taken in some senses to that eternal uh, good future that God has for us. The fact that we are still here in this world, I believe, is because God's saying more people need to know about this grace that you have come into. Do you think we can do that? Do you think we can live as a people marked by grace, a society of pardoned rebels who know that the best thing we have we don't have because we deserve it. We have because God is rich in grace, love and mercy. I want to live a life that is marked by that grace. I hope you do too. I want to pray for you that that would be a hallmark of our life as a community, that we would be a people, a society of pardoned rebels who know the rich love and mercy of God who know that it's all down to grace and who take that out into the world. I'm going to pray. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, thank you for accepting us into this society of pardoned rebels. May our lives be dripping with the grace that you have bestowed upon us as we're down here. Sometimes it feels like we're down here in the gutter. We're down here in this broken world full of trespass and death and decay. Lord, make us a signal and a symbol for that good future, for that place that you have brought us up to. I pray for everyone who is with us here this week as we listen to this message and read your word. Your grace would come to us in a new way. It would be made abundant to us 
Lord, it would change us. Thank you. Amen. Hey, have a great week.